Hold hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun is set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 44. And we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing well, Brennan. How are you doing? I'm good. It's been a busy, ghosty, <laughs> writerly week. Yes. You have had, uh, well, you've been working almost constantly with the ghost walks. Yeah. And then we had Barbara Smith's book launch and signing on, what day was that? Oh, I'm lost now. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was Tuesday. Yes. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. I did the introduction for her. That was really cool that I got to do that, actually. And then last night was... Book signing and reading with Shannon Sin, who wrote The Haunting of Vancouver. Yes, and that was over at Russell Books. Yes, it was. In in the basement. (laughs) Yes, well, (laughs) I mean, they're not going to let us be somewhere where the customers can see us in the windows. I mean, come on. (laughs) Good call. You know, I, I remember being at a restaurant once, and they sat us in the window. And then they moved us <gasps> because no. they didn't want a bunch of uggos mucking. Fair. That's what oh, would oh, happen. That... No, no, no. I mean, they, they would do that with me too. I'm not saying it's because <laughs> of you. Oh, okay. And they're like, well, whoa, is, but... why is Shrek in the window? That's right. <laughs> Nobody wants you that. You and Donkey go to the back. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I, I, the, uh, of course, Barbara's thing there, You, yeah, you, you did the intro. And I, I cleverly, I got the idea that I would live stream it for our $10 patrons on the Instagram How live. How did that go? Uh, well, it, it worked. Oh. But I tell you, my arm was oh. so sore from just holding the phone up yeah. and, and trying not to mouth breathe so loud that <laughs> yeah, they heard me going, uh, uh, uh. it was, that was the hardest thing of all. I, I believe I, it. Oh man. But yeah, I do love those things. It's yeah. kind of fun. It's great because I'm not on stage. I yes. can just hang back, uh, you know, when you're up there, kind of like wave my middle finger at you when no one else is looking to which try and distract you. Yeah, yeah, I do. Which yeah, you do, fun. which is super helpful. I try, you know, I want to help. <laughs> Oh, I did a, a an interview in a graveyard. Which sounds like more my business than yours. Yeah. <laughs> It'll go on CTV next week, I think. You're going to be doing live radio on Monday? On Monday, and I recorded a, a podcast for the news channel, CFAX, here on... Oh, that was also on Thursday. Holy shit. And that'll air Sunday. You're going to be logging some hardcore Netflix time come Tuesday. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or I guess Wednesday. Well, well no, I, after Wednesday, because I got to do Ghost Walks on Wednesday night. Oh, of course, because Wednesday's Halloween, not Wednesday's Tuesday. Wednesday's Halloween. Right, right, right. So, yeah, no, it's definitely a busy, busy time. Well, but that's okay. That's okay. It's once a year. That's it. That's why they pay the big bucks. Sleep when you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> or not, or, according yeah. to the stories we write. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope. Otherwise, we've been wasting our lives. <laughs> Imagine that you face the big final goodbye, and it's like, oh no, nothing's happening. No, that's Shit. it. Lights the out. Last thing you think. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a cartoon like that where it showed a baby, and then a man, and then an old man, and then he's lying there dying, and all it says is, he says is, "Well, that sucked." <laughs> I feel like no cartoon more is more emblematic of your like your attitude towards life. Just yeah, yeah. True. That sucked. Oh, well, that sucked. That wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> I was expecting Finn. more. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, I am excited for today's show. This is our big Halloween show. Yes. And uh we have listener stories, which are the best. And I think we have enough listener stories. We're going to have one more episode coming up in probably November or December. Wow. Well, I guess it would be either cuz those are the months that are yeah. coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's I'm good very job. Clever. Thank you. Do you know what it is right now? 
I don't. <laughs> it's yeah. Okay, now I remember. Oh, okay. Because yesterday was yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> don't you mock me again. <laughs> I, I have no life. I'm just doing ghost walks every day. So <laughs> no, whatever. That's, that's it. I've been just weeping softly into my pillow. <laughs> but yeah, no. We as I say, we're gonna have one more listener stories episode before the year is up. Yeah. Uh, and I'm looking forward to today's because we actually have a couple from uh, around the world. Oh, cool. You know, one one actually from Om, uh, Oman, Oman, oh, Oman, Oman. Yeah, I think it's Oman. the country of Oman, and we have one from Northern Ireland as well. Wow. Yeah. That's so, nice. It's very cool. Ghost Story Guys goes international. Exactly. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm on that, still on that watch list. I, <laughs> before we get to the stories, I want to mention our musical guest. On this episode, we're going to have the track There Are No Answers from Hexagram. And that is the second single from their upcoming album, Crystal Lake, which I'm told is in the process of being finished. Excellent. I was talking to Steve yesterday, and he said he expects to be finished Soonish. Excellent. He won't be pinned okay. down to a date. Definitely. No, no. Art, true artists are never pinned down. That's to a exactly date. it. That's right. But uh, no, I, I'm excited for this track. I picked this one to finish Halloween with because it's got this incredible, mournful sound at the end. Cool. So I, I'm looking nice. forward to playing that for everybody. All right. So coming up after the break, listener stories. Welcome back. Um, before we get started on the listener stories, Brennan, um, we talked about everything I've done this week. <laughs> you were in Revelstoke. Anything exciting going on there? Uh, well, we talked a little bit about it on the bonus episode. I spoke to the the high school classes. Right, it, was, yeah. it was a lot of fun. Yeah, they good. Were, yeah, they were super cool. Um, it was it was kind of neat for me because I was able to sort of use my stories in the book and stuff as kind of like a a jumping off point to talk a little bit about some of the shit that I wish people had talked to me about in mm. high school, like depression yeah. and drinking. Yeah. Cause again, I didn't drink in school, right. but, uh, my depression really took hold as when I graduated. Right. And I, I drank a lot, you know, like I, like a, I, like a self-medication kind totally. of thing. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I remember, uh, being in my apartment, you know, I lived above the store I worked at and I would just sit there and drink vodka, straight vodka just for, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's not good. No, 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 no. How did you turn into a 45-year-old divorced mother of three? <laughs> Just luck. Yeah, yeah. Just luck. Genes. Rebel Soak will do that to a yeah, man. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but yeah, so it was kind of cool to use that as a jumping off point to yeah. sort of explore some other things. Other than that, yeah, it, I've told you these stories, and, and I did have something strange happen. So we've talked before a little bit about... Um, Obviously, with my book and, and all that stuff. I mean, we've... You wrote a book? I did. What's it called? A Strange Little Place. Nice. Available everywhere. Fine books are sold. Really, though? Mostly Amazon. <laughs> anyway. It's actually, honestly, it's in chapters. In it's, Nanaimo. In Nanaimo. <laughs> yes. As, which I love. Which is great. <laughs> uh, funny enough, it's sold really well back east. Oh, so wow. It's, like, it's, it's on store shelves, or at least it was last I checked, in Toronto. Interesting. All around there. It just... On the West Coast, it didn't sell. Which is where you would think it would sell. Well, I, we were talking to Tori about this last night, and yeah. she thinks it's because Llewellyn probably has great rep coverage. In on, the eastern part of Canada, because that's where all the people are. Yeah. 
Exactly. That actually makes and, and it's not sense. far from where they're located, right? I mean, they're, right, in, they're in Minnesota. Yeah. So they would have coverage over there. And of say it, it sold well, you know, it, okay, the book didn't sell well, but what it sold, it sold down in the States. Right. And again, weirdly, Australia. I love that. Oh, me too. <laughs> um, anyway, so this time in Revelstoke, but things yes, were different, weren't they? The last two times I've been back to Revelstoke, things have been different for me. Uh, I've only been back twice this year. This is actually the least amount of time I've spent in Revelstoke since moving 11 years ago. Oh, wow. And that's just partially been a function of mostly money, actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, uh, I've been broke for a lot of the year and that's thankfully getting better now, but, um, but yeah, so I haven't really been able to travel when I was there in the summer and I might've even mentioned this on the show. I can't remember. It was really dark, like unusually dark, even mm-hmm, for Revelstone. Mm-hmm. Like physically dark. Physically dark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so this time it was more so. Oh, wow. So I got into town about 1030 at night and... Across the bridge, and it never occurred to me before that crossing the bridge was sort of like literally crossing the bridge. Yeah, it's, to it's, another yeah, place. Exactly. Yeah. It was you know as metaphorical as it was literal. Yeah, and yeah. Especially because I think there is a real power in the Columbia River. And this bridge goes across the river. It does. It's not like a valley or something. No, it goes across river. the Columbia right, River. Right. Well, rivers usually are. Yeah, that's like it. Pretty high sources. Yeah. So, uh, so anyways, I got to my, I, I stay up with my aunt when I'm in town. Right. So I went to her place, dropped my stuff off, had a chat with her, and then she went to bed. And I, I had to get some food because I hadn't eaten. Uh, I ended up. And going, you only eat at night. That yeah. Well, I'm only ever awake. <laughs> you only half feeds the time. at night. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, your thing sounds cooler. <laughs> uh, but I ended up at Seven Eleven as because there's not much open in Revelstoke at that time of night. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, did what I was doing, went back to my aunt's place and I crashed because I, right. I had to be up early the next morning. Now, ordinarily. Early for like regular people? Oh, no, early for me. Oh, okay. I had to be out of the house by 9 a.m. <gasps> I, I woke up usually at 9.30. So, <laughs> but, uh, so anyways, I, I crashed out. Now, the thing is, I, I don't sleep very well in my aunt's house. I, I never, I never really have. And so this time I thought. Maybe I'll try doing the thing you suggested, right. which I do sometimes at home, yeah. where it's sort of imagining a box of light yeah. sort of surrounding the bed. Yeah. And it was it works because as soon as I did it, I felt relaxed. Good. And I, I fell right asleep. It's all about intention. Then I had a dream. Uh-oh. I had a dream that I was in a white box that in the dream was almost like the back of a Jeep. Oh, wow. And I, st- I opened the door to step outside right. and outside was woods everywhere were trees right and then there was this huge shadow thing that looked like a dinosaur mm-hmm. and i jumped back into the you know the box shut the door shut the door and it started trying to hammer its way into the box with its head oh jeez and the box the sides deformed and holes were created, but not big enough for it to get through. Right. I was still safe. Yeah. But it was repeatedly ramming its head into this box, wow. trying to get in. Like break the white light. Yeah. Wow. So I broke, I woke up at say three in the morning, terrified. Three in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Oh no. Terrified. Yeah. And I thought, well, fuck this noise. So I was awake for a while. Yeah. Uh, the next night or sorry, the next morning I woke up, I was heading into town. Uh, because my aunt lives a little bit out of the, out of the city center. Right. And I sort of spoke out loud. You know, I, I always find myself talking to the mountain. Right. When I'm, when I'm doing this. And I said, look, man, if you want to talk, you got to dial it back. Right. Because this shit is not on. No. That is no, not okay. No, that's really scary. So the next night, uh, I went back, went to bed and I, I left my phone 
I left a movie playing on my phone, like television playing, right, right. just for you know something. And I did the boxing again. Right. Well, th- that night I dreamed I was in a hotel room, a white hotel room. Oh, again with the white. Yep. Oh, wow. Doors closed, windows closed. Yeah. And there's a movie on the television. Right. All of a sudden, someone starts knocking at the door. Right. Just a regular knock? Just a regular knock, but I, something in the dream, I, I became very afraid of this. Right. And I thought, I don't think I want to open this. Sure. Well, then when I wouldn't answer the door, the phone started ringing right. in the dream. And so the phone is ringing and there's a knocking at the door. And I was really afraid. Woke up again, same time. No. Thinking, oh man, this is, I'm, you know, cause I, 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 I move a lot when I'm in Ralston cause I'm yeah. not there for long and I have yeah. a lot of people to see. Yeah. I thought I am going to, this is not going to go well cause I need to sleep. Yeah. So. And it did dial it back. I well, guess that's a plus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the next night was, uh, the next night was totally clear. Right. And I slept. But then the night after that, uh, it turns out a friend of mine happened to be passing through town at the same time. Oh, cool. She doesn't live there anymore, but, uh, you know, we, we both grew up there. Yeah. So we met up and then, uh, she actually, I went and picked her up. She came over to my aunt's place and we sort of chatted while I was doing laundry and packing. And about 1130, it was time for her to go home. So mm-hmm. I, I took her home. Now, the last few times I've been out in Revelstoke, I don't go out by myself at night for long. Right. And you know that's not like me. No, I know. Uh, but the last couple times, I just, the night is so dark yeah. and you feel very alone yeah. when you're out by yourself. It's so oppressive. I thought, what's up? It's oppressive. It is oppressive, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I especially do not go down to the Arrow Lakes. Okay. Uh, and now in my book, there's a lot of paranormal stuff from the Arrow Lakes. Um, and, and the Arrow Lakes are what the Columbia River feed into. And as we've discussed, the river's very powerful. Yep. So I dropped my friend off, uh, you know, maybe 20 to 12. And I, I got up to give her a hug. I was just getting back in my car when this voice out of nowhere says, hey, you should go drive down to the edge of the Ar- end of the Arrow Lakes Road. Just see what it feels like. <laughs> right? <laughs> It's like, come into the house. I have more candy. Exactly. I'm not falling for that again. <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, well, fool me once. I said out loud, and hopefully my friend didn't hear me. She doesn't listen to the show, so she's not going to know. There you go. I said, nice try, buddy. Right. And I got in the car, and I started driving back to my aunt's place. Well, the thing with that is, again, every other night when I was out at all, uh, which, I mean, because I, I did two hours live radio for my show. I did two yep, hours yep. live radio for Jim's show. Yep. So I was out a bit at night, yeah. but I would immediately go home. Wow. Immediate, and I would take the same road, which is called, uh, funny enough, Victoria Road, <laughs> which goes along the back of town. Right. And it's very well lit and it's the busiest road in town at night. Right, right. So this time, for whatever reason, I got it in my head, oh, I'm going to go take pictures. And I stopped along the way to take pictures. And then I thought, ah, oh, maybe I'll go for a little spin. And I there's one particular road, which I have, uh, I've had my own experiences there and people have told me it is cooler than other parts of town all the oh, time. Oh, wow. So I, I believe this road is a thin spot. Right. I drove up and down this damn road twice, which is, again, not something I would ordinarily no, do. No, It was like I was just doing shit that, like risky shit that was out of character yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then finally, I, I sort of thought, what am I doing? I was taking pictures. I thought, this is stupid. I'm going home now. And again, the voice kind of popped into my head and said, oh, you should go this way. And this way goes through uh, sort of the part of town closer to the river. And I, which is very active. Yeah. Uh, and again, I thought, what am I doing? No, yeah, fuck yeah, this. Yeah, I'm going yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. So I took Victoria Road, went home. 
But that wasn't the end of it because I then got to my aunt's house. Now my aunt's asleep. Yeah. And from upstairs, I heard a very loud humming sound. Right. And I thought, oh, is the washing machine still spinning? Because I thought that finished before I left. Right. Then I thought, no, my aunt must have put my clothes in the dryer for me. Right, right. So I go upstairs. And now at the top of the stairs are the French doors that go into my aunt's room. Right. And usually she sleeps with her television on so you can see in through the frosted glass the the lights. Yeah. That was off. Hmm. Laundry room's right next to me, so I open it. Both machines are not on. Oh, no. I hate that. Yeah. It's like when you're like, oh, that must be the cat. And then you realize the cat's sitting right beside you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. That's when you like say, that. oh, it must still be the cat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I do. So uh, now my room is behind me. Mm-hmm. In front of me is about a 20 foot long hallway. Right. At the end of which is a bathroom to one side, a, a spare room straight ahead. And my uncle, who has been passed about, about eight years, his office on the right. 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 The humming is coming from that office. Oh, no. There's nothing in there that hums. Oh, no. Maybe your uncle. Well, maybe. <laughs> the best way I can describe it is like a, like an electrical transformer. I started walking down the hallway. and Towards it? Yeah, that's a thing, right? Wow. And then I stopped and I caught myself and I thought, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, what am I doing? And again, this I got this notion in my head. I'm supposed to check this thing out. Nope. That's exactly it. I went in my room, closed the door. I must have at some point, I think I did the white light thing. But I passed out. I don't remember going to bed. Right. But I assume I did it. But apparently, and I say apparently because I don't remember doing this, I woke up at 3 a.m. No. And tweeted because what do you do when you're in mortal fear? You tweet a fucking joke. <laughs> I don't generally, but well, that's more your thing. That's We'll get you there. <laughs> I tweeted, now I, I'm trying to remember here. I believe it was weird noises from empty rooms. Remind me why I like sleeping in hotel rooms and bachelor pads. (laughs) And you don't remember writing that. But obviously I woke up at three in the morning still hearing something. Wow. And thought, nope, I'm going back to bed. Glad you got some sleep. Yes. (laughs) And And you're not dead. Yeah, that too. When you woke up in the morning, no sounds. Nope, nothing. My aunt didn't say anything. Wow. It was fine. And what's interesting is uh, when I was talking to the kids, especially the communications 12 class that was actually studying my book. Right. Um, I mentioned, I said, Revelstoke is darker yeah. than it used to be. And a couple of them perked up and went, you know, you're right. Oh, wow. It was like they didn't realize. Yeah. And what's interesting is I was talking to a friend of mine. They were in Revelstoke about a week before I was. Right. And they saw their first ever shadow person. Oh. Downtown. No. Yeah. In front of the high school at night, they were out for a walk with someone else. And they looked across the field, which is, of course, uh, completely dark. Yeah, yeah. And they saw, standing next to this garbage receptacle, and in Revelstoke, the garbage cans are actually garbage bins. Okay. Because of bears. Right, of course. So this this shape is standing next to the garbage bin, and they're backlit by the high school. So my friend thought, oh, maybe that's, I can't make out their features because they're backlit. Right. They looked away for a second, when they looked back, it was gone. Oh, Jesus. And there was nowhere for it to go. Yeah, no, not cool. No. So, uh, that was, that was weird. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, again, I, I'm honestly in no hurry to go back. Really? I, I'm really not comfortable. That's the first from you. Yep. Yeah. And I, I got friends there. I got family there and yeah. I know it sounds a bit daft, but I just don't know how to interpret what it is I experienced. Well, I think you have to listen to that. You know what I mean? Like I always say to people, go with your gut. If oh, yeah. something feels not right, there's a reason. There's a reason. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
And then that wasn't quite the end of the weirdness. Oh, wow. I don't know if I've talked about this before. I think I have. After comparing notes with a friend of mine uh, at different points over the last couple of years, it's occurred to me, to us, that we dream about the same parts of Revelstoke that are not really there. Oh, whoa. So we both dream about a, a road down south of town right. that winds up through the mountains right. and sometimes floods. But that's not actually It's not there. really there. Wow. Was no. it ever there? No. Not that we're aware of. Interesting. Because the road down south is sort of lower. Right, of course. So, so, But in the dream, it climbs up to mountains. And The this, mountain? No, through mountains. Okay. Yeah, okay. Like, almost like a meadow up in the mountains. Yep. Like an alpine yep, meadow yep, kind of thing. Yep. But again, sometimes it floods. Uh, we also realize, now, and I've talked on the show before, I think, about uh, the dream I've had where... Uh, I, I have a dream where I follow some kids down. Maybe I'll, do you mind if I tell the story quick? No, please. So uh, years ago, before I had any interest in any paranormal things, I had this dream about being back in Revelstoke, uh, filling up my gas at this gas station, yeah. which is no longer there. Uh, it was, it's never been a gas station as long as I've been alive, but mm-hmm. whatever, I'm filling it up. Uh, what's important though, is it's next to a building that my mother used to work in. Okay. Uh, as, and is really in a part of town that is probably the most heavily, haunted part of town that I'm aware of. Okay. So we, in the dream of filling my car and these two kids come out from between the gas station and the building where my mother used to work. And now there's a hill back there. And in the dream, I recognize them as kids who used to come into our store. Right. So we're chatting and and I ask what they've been up to and they say, well, our parents would love to see you. You should go visit them, come visit them. So I tell them, okay, that's, I will. Yeah. Get in the car and I'll, I'll drive us there. And the kids say, oh no, 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 no. Let's, let's walk. And the little boy says, I made a path. And I said, oh, you made a path, eh? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I made a path. So I follow them between the two buildings. No oh, bad news bears. <laughs> yeah. And then their eyes go black. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I follow them between the two buildings and there are steps set into the hillside. And that's a very steep hill. I've yeah, been back there. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it is actually a hill. But there are these steps set into the hillside. And the steps are wooden planks with some kind of stamped tin plate in okay. the middle of them. Yeah. I, I don't remember what was on there. I just remember it was a stamped tin plate. And the railing is a heavy chain hung between wooden posts. So the stairs are so steep, I, I can only pay attention to the stairs. But at some point I hear rushing water. Right. Almost like a waterfall. Yeah, yeah. At the bottom of the stairs, we step out. Right. And there's hedges. I step out from these hedges and there's a dirt road in front of me. The kids are running off to my right. And I turn and look. And the road rises up to a bit of a peak, a bit of a hill. Right. But before that, there is a wooden bridge about six feet wide or six feet, like, yeah, like six feet, you know, yeah. end to end. Yeah. That's the width of the road. And it's made of these little slats of wood. And it's, it's, I don't, I can't see what it's over. Right. But the kids run over the bridge. So I, I, I cross over it. At the top of the hill, I see a man walk from one side to the other. And I think, I know him from somewhere. He walks from right to left. I can't remember where I know him from. So I get to the top of the hill and the kids say, come on, come on, come on. And they run off to the, my right, which is down and out of sight. I turn to look to my left and I see Revelstoke in the distance. And I think, how the fuck did we get this far away? But, and I, and I think there are only four roads in and out of the city. There's right, no Southeast right, West. Right. And the road I'm on drops out of sight. And then in the distance joins up with Revelstoke. And I'm thinking, I don't know that road. I know all the roads. I don't yeah, know that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the kids keep calling me. 
So I, I turn, I go to my right and I start going down this hill. Now, as I go down the hill, I'm, I'm realizing I'm going into a long mountain valley. Right. And it, the road is sort of gravel and it's lined with little huts and houses along the left side. Oh, wow. In the distance, I see mountains just going on forever and the sun is setting. So the shadows are starting to gather in the valley. Yep. And the kids eventually stop at a house right at the end of the row. Right. And it's a quite a, quite a large house. But before I get there, I pass this little hut and I realize as I'm looking through the open doorway that inside this hut is a weird mishmash of styles. Right. There's a brand new, you know, sort of like Airstream looking refrigerator with an 1800s log stove, you know, and it's just a weird combination yeah, of things. Yeah. And for a moment, I think I see a heavy set woman at one of the stove, but I can see through her mm. and then she's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So I get to the end of the road. And the kids are there and, and their parents are there and they say, Hey, you know, how's it going? All this shit. And whenever I ask them how they've been, they sign and go, ah, let's talk about you. So finally they invite us in for dinner. They said, we're just about to eat. Would you like to come in? And now in the dream, there is someone else with me. I don't know who right, it is, right? but they invite us in and I, I say, sure. Yeah. Sounds good. So we go inside and the dining room is long and narrow with, I think a bar at the far end okay. in the corner, like a covered bar. Uh, the, the, there's wood paneling along one wall along that left side. And there's like a bench seats with a long table to the right are huge windows that look down the valley. Right. And I can see that it's getting dark at this point, the sun is set and it's getting darker and darker. And all I really remember is that we sat down to a table full of food and there is, I remember these big, soft chocolate chunk cookies. (laughs) I love that you remember that. Well, I remember that because that's the thing I wanted to eat. Uh, nothing else was really appealing to me, but right. those were there. And I thought, oh, I want those. And they sat down to eat. And just as I was about to reach for a cookie, I got this feeling as though I shouldn't do that. Right. So I stopped my friend, whoever it was. I said, no. And the people didn't remark. They didn't say anything. They ate. We didn't. They never asked why. Wow. So after the meal was over... And the next thing I remember is them asking us to help them move the tables because they had guests coming. So we moved the tables out of the way. Now at this point, I'm standing at the far end of this dining room. The sun has set completely. The the moon has risen. Right. And there's moonlight coming through these windows, lighting the room. That's the only light. There's no, (laughs) there's no electrical light, but it's very, very bright, very bright rather. As people start coming in. I recognize among them a woman who looks like the heavyset woman. Right. I saw. And the everyone somewhere there's music and everyone starts dancing. And as they pass through the moonlight, they become transparent. Who? And I realize they're all dead. Right. The reason these people don't want to talk about what they've been up to, I remember they died in a car accident. They're dead. Wow. This is the land of the dead. That's why I wasn't supposed to eat their food. Because that's for them. And if you eat it, you stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I have this realization, the dancers move faster and faster and faster. And then I woke up. (laughs) So, strong dream. Very powerful. Yeah, very strong dream. Uh, One of the strongest ones I remember even years later. So, I'm talking to my friend about this. Or Sorry, no, not not, not that. I'm just talking to my friend. This is, I want to say Christmas 2014. We're in Revelstoke Road for a walk one night. And they say to me, I keep having these dreams about a a sort of a fantasy valley that's not really there. And you're like, what? Well, no, I didn't, didn't make, didn't make the connection at first. Oh, but they said, they point across the river and they said, it's just in front of that mountain. 
and or just between that hill and the mountain behind it. But of course, it's not really there. Yeah. So I thought, okay, that's interesting. Like I'm fascinated by dreams. But once I was back in Victoria, I was driving around and it clicked in my head. When I look back at Revelstoke in my dream, that put me exactly where they dream their valley is. Wow. It's the same place. Wow. So that's two. Holy cats. Third one happened when I was visiting them on the return trip. Right. We're talking, we both dream about a, a high mount, a road that climbs very high going up a hill that goes to the dam. Now there is a big hydroelectric dam south, uh, north of Revelstoke. Right. Road looks nothing like this. Uh, but in, we both dream about this different version of the road. And we talked about, we, ex- we compared details and it's the same place. Hmm. The only difference is I've made it to the dam. He's never, he's always woken up before he's gotten there. Interesting. And in the dream, the dam is a jumping off point. It's almost like the dam is also some kind of ferry terminal or, right. uh, it's hard to explain. Like some, some place that from there you go somewhere else. Which would make sense. I mean, what are they producing there? Oh, of course. Electricity. Huge amounts of power. Interesting. That had never occurred to me. That makes sense to me, yeah. Wow. Okay. So there you go. Cool. So weird Revelstoke, man. I don't know. Very weird. I have still never been there. We got to get you there. I know. I want to see it. I want a personal Brennan tour of all the weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm sure it'll happen one of these days. That's cool. All right. So let's uh, get into some of these listener stories. How about you take this first one? The story is from Ghost Story Guy's friend Flo, and it takes place in the country of Oman, is it that's how we're saying that? Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll go. All with right. That. For some reason, my parents would never tell me the specific city where they lived. My father had been hired as an accountant by one of the international hotel chains who had locations in Oman. Sorry, I cannot give specific names. My older sister was around nine or ten at the time, and my youngest sister maybe two or three years old. I was not yet born. When my family arrived in Oman, there were not enough. There was not enough room in the hotel staff quarters to house the whole family, so the hotel provided temporary housing near the hotel. That's where my family members had a brush with the paranormal. Let's start with my dad's side, since he only had a handful of experiences. He used to leave early in the morning and come back late at night, which meant he hardly had any time to spend with his kids. So when he arrived home, both of my sisters used to stick to him like glue, never leaving his side. They would even go with him during one of his few chores, taking out the trash at night. For some reason, the only sources of light were in the entrance exit door to the house and where the bin was, meaning the open space between the two was wide open and completely dark. So just imagine my older sister is holding onto one hand, my dad is carrying my middle sister in his arms and holding the trash bags. Once they exited the house into the backyard, my dad and my sisters would hear what sounded like gungaroo, which are thick bangles with bells worn on your feet. The sound would follow from the door to the bin, basically where there was no light source. As soon as my father would reach the bin under the light, it would stop, but the hairs on my father's body would rise all the same. It happened every time he and my sisters would throw the trash out, but he never mentioned it to my mom while living in that house. He didn't want to scare her. My oldest sister had her story as well. One night, while sleeping in her room, my sister woke up to feel someone petting her head. At first, she thought it was my mom, since she usually got up to check on the girls. But when she asked my mother the next morning, my mother told her she had never went inside her room, especially not to pet her head. The next time she felt her head being petted, my sister bravely looked up through the blanket to see what was in her bedroom. She saw the figure of a translucent lady in white, with red eyes, sitting close to her, petting her head. She froze and peed the bed out of fear, 
Yeah, I probably would too. Yeah, no, I yeah. would too. Even now I would. <laughs> Years later, my mother mentioned to me that my sister would often pee in her bed, so I'm guessing it was whenever she saw the lady. If I was her age and saw red eyes, I would pee too. Well, there you yeah, go. We're, we're all in agreement. My sister never mentioned the lady to my mother while living in the house, but she did years later. My mother, on the other hand, had a few more encounters than all of them combined. One time she woke up in the middle of the night to hear a woman's voice reading the Quran. She said it was the sweetest voice she has ever heard. But at the time, she shrugged it off and went back to sleep. When she discussed it with my father the next morning, he just mentioned that it might have been a neighbor listening to the TV. She argued that it was the middle of the night and the neighbor had work in the early morning. However, they both eventually just brushed it off. On another night when she heard the sound, my mother was brave enough to lift her head to see where the sound was coming from. She saw a white figure sitting on her balcony reading the Quran. My mother went right back to sleep. There was a pool near their house and often my sister swam there. When they would go to the pool, my mom would leave the front door wide open for airflow. She felt safe doing this because the door was always visible from the pool. One time, one of her neighbors asked her if anyone else was in her house. My mother told the neighbor that my father was at work, so there was no one left to be in the house. The neighbor then told her that she swears she saw the white figure of a woman standing near the door watching them. This scared my mom because she'd been ignoring her late-night encounters, and now she could no longer do that. One night, my father was very sick with a high fever. My mother was trying her best to take care of him. She would wake up several times through the night to make sure he was comfortable. One of the times she woke up, she saw a white layer sleeping on top of my father, like another blanket on top of his actual blankets. She quickly nudged my dad to move to the side, then pulled the blanket out, shook it, and then put it back on top of him again. She did not see the figure after that. Back then, my middle sister was very fussy and would used to cry constantly throughout the day. My mother hardly used to get any work done, and even found it difficult to get to the bathroom. The only way my mother would get any relief, no pun intended, was to put my sister in her crib. The crib would come up to her chin, so there's no way she could climb out. One day, my mother really had to go to the bathroom, but being a baby, my sister was crying and being clingy, so my mother had to put her in the crib. My mother had just sat down on the toilet when she heard my sister banging on the washroom door, crying her head off. My mother's blood ran cold because there was no way my sister could have climbed out of the crib. She opened the bathroom door to see if there was an intruder in the house who'd come in, and she eventually searched the whole house, carrying my sister in her arms, finding no one. My older sister was at school, and my dad was at work at that time. She and the baby were home alone. When my dad came home that night, my mother had told him the story, but he could not believe it. He even knew the baby could not escape the crib. There was no way out unless someone had picked her up. Many times afterwards, my parents would leave my sister in the crib and wait to see if she somehow climbed out, but she never did. My parents were always baffled by that situation. After that first encounter, every day my mother would tell my father to send her back home because she wanted to leave this haunted place. Eventually, they did move out and stayed in the hotel staff's housing. No more paranormal stuff happened after that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that kind of makes me think about um, the gin. Yeah. Because I know in that region, they are, you know, very, very, very much considered like a, a force of nature, a very real thing, a very present thing. Like the Fae, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that yeah. was, yeah, sort of in the Middle East, their version yeah. of the Fae. Uh, and, I, you know, I was talking to uh, Steve and Rachel about this, actually. Right. Uh, somehow they were been, had just been listening to a podcast about the gin. Oh, wow. And then I found this when going through the email. Cool. And uh, it's 
it's fascinating because there's also these parallels between not only gin lore and fairy lore, you know, as nature spirits, but in UFO encounters. Oh. If you look in, I think it's Robert Lebling's Legends of the Fire Spirits. Right. In which he sort of talks a lot about the gin. If you look in that book, he talks about Calf, which is where the, the genies or the gin are said to live. Okay. Uh, and it's sort of a city and it, it's, um. Like a city in the clouds kind of thing? Kind of. Yeah. It's like a ring of mountains around the earth. Right. And the people there often, you know, the, the jinn are sometimes seen in places where the jinn are being seen. They're sometimes seen without clothes. They're like men and women, but they're not. <laughs> Classy. Nudie jinns. If only. If they're good, look, if they're good looking, I'm over it. I'm all for it. Man. Bring it on. But uh, yeah. So, and what's interesting is there was a UFO encounter that John Keel documented in the Mothman Prophecies mm. where a young man was taken away and the place he went to, everyone was naked. Oh, wow. And they also talk about, they have this script that is sort of a, it's believed the jinn have this script, which is a combination of all these different sort of Middle Eastern and kind of Asian languages. Yeah. Well, a very, of course, a common, uh, a common experience of abductees is a language that they cannot identify, but looks foreign, vaguely oh, Asian. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, even my own dream, when I saw that, when I had, saw those panels, which was sort of hiding the creatures from me, yeah. it had that vaguely Asian script along the edges. Wow. So it's, uh, it's That's kind cool. of, it's sort of suggestive that, yeah, this is all part of something bigger than we think. Yeah. And we're with you guys. If you're out there listening, we're on your side. That's so right. Don't fuck with us, please. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, insurance policy. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, and funny enough, this story, the next story we've got, uh, from Jennifer has something very similar. Yeah, it does. I had never planned on telling this story because if I hadn't lived through it, I wouldn't have believed it. I've kept this quiet for coming up on 17 years. Recently, when I listened to Brennan's story about Pennsylvania, it caused a sinking feeling I haven't had since that night. <laughs> I get that a lot from people. <laughs> what, I heard your story and now I feel sad? Yeah, I heard your voice. Now I'm sad. <laughs> I listened to the episode several times trying to pinpoint exactly why it had such an effect on me and came up with nothing. That night, the dreams described below started again. I don't know what the connection could be beyond fear and the power of suggestion, so... That's what I'm assuming it is. A good friend of mine growing up had a haunted house in upstate New York. His parents were also the parents that were out of town a lot, so we spent a lot of time there. I always thought that his house being haunted was some next level gag he liked to play on people and just thought he was full of crap. We were 17 and there were five of us in the house. We weren't drinking or doing drugs. We were far too goody two-shoes for that. <laughs> we were studying for a civics exam in the dining room before taking a break to ransack the kitchen for dinner. I went to sit by myself in the adjoining living room. The room was dark except for the light coming in from the kitchen. I was sitting on the couch and noticed two small red lights over the TV. Uh-oh. I thought they were from the cable box, but something about them was weird. I tried to focus in the dark to see where the lights were exactly coming from. I thought maybe it was a reflection from the painting on the wall over the couch where I was sitting, but when I turned my head to look, the painting was a mat, not reflective. Hmm. At that point, I still wasn't just grasping what I was looking at beyond it not being normal as a sinking feeling in my gut slowly kicked in. As I continued trying to focus on what electronic was making these lights, the two red lights elongated just enough so that there was a dark pink eye around each bright red light slash pupil. They stared directly into my eyes before the corners upturned ever so slightly, as though a face I couldn't see was smiling. Not cool. No. Then the eyes slowly, deliberately closed and were gone. I wasn't scared right away, but I was in dumb shock. The whole thing took maybe 30 seconds, but it felt like forever. <sighs> My friend who lived in the house stopped short in the kitchen doorway and asked if I was okay. 
I shook my head no, and he started to walk in the room. That got a yelp from me. I yelled something like, no, the light. I was so scared, I didn't even sound like myself, which brought everyone else. He turned on the light, and there was nothing two inches to the right of the cable box. Oh, no. There was nothing reflective there, and we spent a good hour trying to find a way to recreate those lights, even though in my gut I knew I had seen something no one should. Hmm. I never went back to that house, and I lost contact with my friend when we all scattered for college. Those eyes haunted my dreams for years after that, and still show up every so often when I sleep. I'm generally not a believer. I love ghost stories for the stories, but that night will always haunt me. And I'm not a person who thrives on theatrics. My own husband has never heard this story. It feels wrong to talk about it, but here we are. Wow. That is deeply affecting. Yeah, it would be. Absolutely. And quite different. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, quite it, different. But the, the, say the similarity of the red eyes with yes. the gin story yes. really make me think about, again, some sort of, maybe what we call the gin and, and aliens and all this stuff. They're sort of like a sideways people. Yeah. They live in a different side. Yeah, yeah. next to us, but yeah. we can't see them. Yeah. And they can see us. Yeah. But we don't, we can't look back. So you think a djinn was just messing with her? Well, yeah, whatever you want to call it, like a yeah. sideways yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Was messing at her, messing with her, or maybe just happened to be passing through and was watching her. I mean, may, or maybe they do like fucking with us. Yeah. May, you know, <laughs> it could be. I mean, we've talked before many times about entities that feed off our emotions. Yeah, absolutely. So who's to say that this thing is not doing the same thing? Yeah, right? absolutely. So I, I'm not sure. Hmm. It's uh, it's fascinating though, and and it, it uh, that she that it feels wrong to talk about it. Yeah, is interesting, and I'm really glad you powered through this. Yeah, uh, to tell us because that's how I felt about my Pennsylvania story for right. a year, right. maybe longer, maybe yeah. two years. Yeah, I didn't feel like it was safe to tell someone. Wow, and. I feel relieved now that it's out in the world. Yes. And it, you know, I saw, I, I was certain, even when I was telling it, I kind of felt like something bad is going to come from this. Wow. And I told it anyways, cause I thought, well, fuck it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And, but nothing has, hmm. but it, it certainly is, is better having it out of me. Absolutely. And I get that. maybe there is some value to it because if, yeah. if it's sort of encouraging other people to come up with the things that are upsetting them. Yeah. Uh, maybe that was the whole point. Absolutely. But yeah, uh, Jennifer, not her real name. She yeah. asked us not to use her real name, but Jennifer, thank you for sharing that with us. And Absolutely. I, I d actually did email her back recently uh, because I think this just came in. Yeah, it did. This and week. Uh, yeah, so that's why I, I included it. Most of these stories sort of came in in the summer, yeah. but I wanted to include this one because of the similarity. Uh, but I actually emailed her with an excerpt from that Middle Eastern story. Oh, cool. Just to say, you know, you're not alone. Other no. people have seen this. Yeah, that's Although, cool. I, I don't know. Maybe that's not comforting. <laughs> I don't know. It occurred to me after I sent it. Maybe that's not comforting. It's like, yeah, it wasn't the cat. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Our next story is from Courtney. I just want to start off by saying I love the show. Yay. All right. I'm a 22-year-old mom of three who is obsessed and terrified of the paranormal. I've grown up in a Christian family, the normal around Birmingham, Alabama, but strangely, most of my family is very open to the paranormal. I can remember plenty of stories of my aunt seeing a ghost during her hospital stays, and my mother always blaming random things falling and lights flickering on ghosts. My father was a strict man, not one who was too open to showing affection and felt like children were supposed to fend for themselves emotionally. But not long after his grandfather passed away, he started letting me sleep in the bed with him and my mother because I woke up every night crying over a man in my room. I was seven at the time and very aware of the paranormal, but never experienced that for myself. My mother reassured me that the man was my grandfather, but I knew it wasn't. My grandfather was a kind and loving man, and this spirit was dark and scary. I guess this spirit wanted something from me because after only one night of peace, he started appearing in my parents' room. Only now, he wasn't too, so much a shadow, 
but he had features that showed ever so slightly and got more pronounced each night. It got to the point where I was afraid to fall asleep at night because I knew he would wake me up and be closer than the night before. The last night I saw him, I woke in a sweat, and there he was. He was extremely clear, so real that it made me uncomfortable. He was above me in the bed, just smiling, but it wasn't a kind smile. I shut my eyes, as hard as I could, hoping he would go away, but every time I did, I could hear a voice. I'm assuming it was his, telling me that that wasn't going to help, and that he wasn't going away. He didn't speak when I looked at him, only when I tried to close my eyes or hide under the covers. It was the strangest, most terrifying experience of my entire life. I felt as if this went on for hours, until my body finally gave up out of exhaustion and fell back to sleep. The next night I explained this to my mother, who was shocked, and I could tell she thought I was making it up. It was dismissed, and everyone went about their days like nothing happened. About an hour before bed, I was laying on the floor with my grandfather's quilt when I felt the sensation of a warm hand rubbing my back. When I looked to see who was behind me, there was no one there. From that night on, I never saw that man again. In my heart, I believe my sweet grandfather had his hand in ending whatever was going on, and I'm forever grateful for him. Huh. That's cool. That is cool. Yeah, I wonder what the hell that was. You know, I've heard stories about ghosts who slowly, over time, become more and more clear. And I think that feeds into the theory that they are trying to take something. Right. Uh, and I wonder if that's why they appear to children, because they're easier to frighten. That would make more sense. And, they're, make, make sense and, and they don't jump to trying to explain it away. Right. Children yeah, yeah. just accept what they see. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah maybe. Interesting. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, I'm sorry, what was your Courtney. name? Courtney. Courtney. Yes, thank you. This next story comes from Jaden. I don't really know where to start this off, but I wanted to share my story with you guys. I've been a listener for a little while now. My boyfriend actually has Ian's book. Boo. <laughs> Boo Ian's book. Obviously, man, a good taste. Uh, well, sure. <laughs> Anyways, I haven't really talked about my experiences with anyone until maybe the last year or so. I've always been into the paranormal, ghosts, and even spirits. I've had plenty of encounters and small things happen over the years, but again, I've always kept it to myself in fear of no one believing me. I don't know what that's like. Yep. As kids, my sister and I had a Ouija board we never really thought anything of, and oftentimes ended up playing with it with friends and joking around. <laughs> yeah. When I asked my mother a few years ago where it came from or where she bought it, she didn't really have an answer. I remember her saying, it's just always been in the family. That creeped me out. The Ouija board we have is an old school one and is in pristine condition. I get chills just looking at it. Now, I don't know, in fact, that this has anything to do with my experiences, but it could contribute. My family has lived on Vancouver Island my whole life. My parents rented for a few years before deciding to buy a house in BC around the time I was two. They bought the house foreclosed and over the years have renovated it completely. The house is a three-bedroom rancher and at the time of purchase only had one bedroom until later on when they added a second bath and a new master suite. The original master bedroom was at the front of the house and always seemed a bit strange to me. As a kid, my bedroom was across from my parents and I remember always having to sleep with the door open. As a kid, and to this day, I've always had to sleep with music or TV on because the sounds in the dark scare the fuck out of me. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. Fair enough. I have a noise machine. I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that may be a weird statement, but hearing things and not knowing who or what is making the sound freaks me out. Nope. Again, we're right yep. there with you. I've always had trouble sleeping too. It may seem strange, but I, I felt vulnerable and have never really figured out why. I remember nights where I couldn't sleep or I was tossing and turning, so I asked to sleep in my parents' room. 
One night I crawled into bed with them, again tossing and turning, before realizing that their bedroom door was still open. I looked down the hall and felt extremely uncomfortable, like someone or something was watching. Again, this is strange because I usually sleep with the door open. As the years went on, there were other minor experiences. For example, our downstairs, which is really only two steps down, it was a rancher, was our movie room slash hangout area, and often I would fall asleep on the sectional. On those nights, I'd wake up terrified, staring at the coat rack, which would have a full-figured shadow standing there staring at me. (laughs) Or someone would be sitting in the computer chair, slowly turning around. (laughs) I tried to make sense of it most of the time, saying it was my imagination or that my brain was making shapes out of nearby objects. I'd try to brush it off and would usually just fall back asleep. Just a side note, I listen to your podcasts about the different kinds of dark and that hit me hard. Mm. Still to this day, if I'm in the house alone, I make a trail of lights to get what I need and then make my way back to my room, shutting each light off behind me so I don't have to be in the dark. I have literally done that. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, yeah. I, the, yeah. the flashlight on my phone is, I, I saved my life. I swear to God. <laughs> I never thought of using that. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. After a while, I got used to it all. Until my parents added the addition and turned the old master bedroom into my room. Oh, no. This is when things started to really pick up. Figures. The room had such a sad, eerie vibe to it. When I first settled into the room again, I immediately had to start sleeping with the door closed because I felt like someone or something did not want it open. One thing that hit me as strikingly odd was how cold the room was. You'd walk into the room and it would be way colder than the rest of the house. Or you'd turn the heat on slightly and it'd be boiling hot. Hmm. I remember in the winter, the room was so cold, I couldn't sleep, so I turned the thermostat up just a few degrees, and less than an hour later, I was awoken, sweating, and fighting to breathe, it was so hot. Wow. I remember telling my parents and them saying that the meter had been hooked up backwards, and they were going to have someone check it out. It didn't stop, though. The room remains freezing cold, even in the warmest of days. Hmm. I hated sleeping in it, but I was too scared to tell my parents. There were some nights more active than others, but again, at this point, I, I just was used to it. I remember a few times hearing heavy breathing start from one corner of the room and move right next to my ear. It terrified me, but I didn't want to see who or what was causing it, so I snuggled back into my blankets and went not off to sleep. Sometimes shadows would appear right outside the window on the deck, just peering through the slightly open blinds. I'd find my stuff moved all over the room or things missing or just random trinkets in the middle of my room with no explanation. There was one night in particular that still haunts me to this day. I remember sleeping in my room and randomly waking up late in the night. This isn't unusual, as I've mentioned, but something about this night seemed different. I remember the room being dark, but it was more than just dark, it was heavy. I tried to reach for my remote to turn my TV on, but it wasn't working. I felt uneasy and definitely uncomfortable, so I just laid there, silently, hoping I would nod off. That was not the case. Oh, no. The breathing had returned, and it was right beside me. Not good. No. This time it was accompanied by a deep, slow, almost sinister laugh. Not playful or funny, but evil. Mm. I didn't know what to do. I was unable to move and my heart was beating faster than ever. I remember telling myself it's nothing. You're just tired and I forced myself back to sleep, but it was the worst sleep of my life. After that night, things continued, but nothing ever quite so serious. A few years later, I moved out on my own and and have been here ever since. My parents still live there and seem to be happy. When I packed up and left, I took the Ouija board with me and still experienced the occasional encounter here and there but nothing that made me feel as scared as I did in that room. To this day, if my parents ask me to house sit, I leave that door closed and avoid the room at all costs. Recently, I had my boyfriend spend the night with me there. He had been to the house before, but never spent the night. We watched some movies, had a relaxing evening, when we decided to go to the bedroom. He had mentioned he wanted to sleep in my old room. And with hesitation, I agreed, thinking to myself, well, if he's with me, at least it won't be too bad. 
It was only about five minutes in before the shadows on the deck appeared and the darkness returned. To my surprise, my boyfriend noticed it immediately and asked if we could sleep in a different room. We didn't say much, but we both knew there was something off. I hadn't told him about any of my previous experiences. The next day, we returned to my house where my boyfriend said to me, I didn't want to say anything and I don't know if you saw or felt it, but there is something off about that room Mm. and that house. I then explained everything and he said that even during the movie, he could feel the heavy air and uneasiness. I was happy I wasn't the only one feeling this way. About a month ago, I finally brought all this weirdness up to my dad and his reply was, well, the room is at the front of the house. That's why it's cold. (laughs) To this day, he won't acknowledge the fact that there may be more to the house than he wants to believe. Wow. It's a very dad thing to do. It is a very dad thing to do. I have two things to say about that story. Number one, I completely relate to that. You get used to it. You just start not even noticing it anymore. That trail of lights thing, I have done that repeatedly. Um, Whenever I was alone in the house, what I would do is I'd have all the lights on up to the bedroom. I'd go into the bedroom, turn the last light out, shut the door, and I wouldn't come out till morning. Wow. Yeah. And the other thing, God bless this boyfriend, because the number of stories we get (laughs) where these poor women are trying to tell their husbands, boyfriends, fathers about what's going on, and they get, like, dismissed. Yeah, babe, it's just uh, Uh, just your nerves, babe. Yeah. It's her ovaries making you crazy. You just need to calm down. There's nothing going on. It's your imagination. That drives me mental. And on a serious note, I can't imagine being married to someone who you go to them and tell them something that is scaring you or you're concerned about and they just dismiss you as being foolish. Oh yeah, it it, it seems like a stupid horror movie trope, but it's a thing that happens. It's a thing. So this boyfriend, hero of the week. Yeah, kudos to you, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's actually one of the few things I appreciated about the first Annabelle movie. I don't know if you've seen it. No. You're not missing much. Okay. Uh, It's it's fine. Uh, But uh, the wife is having these experiences. She says to her husband, something is wrong. Right. And he says, okay, what do we do? Oh, good. And, you know, yeah, it was shocking. He's actually open to going, okay, no, some, so something's wrong. How do we fix this? Well, and even if you don't believe it or you haven't experienced it. Your partner's going through something. Yes. Yeah, don't be a dick. Exactly. Just acknowledge their feelings. Yep. If you can't do anything else, <laughs> say, I'm sorry you're upset. I'm sorry you're scared. What do we need to do to fix this yeah. so you feel better? That's the minimum level of care <laughs> one should show to a partner. Well, one would think. Uh, apparently, uh, I'm wrong. Yeah, apparently, apparently. I, I am way overprotective. Uh, You're too emotional, man. <laughs> it's just your ovaries, Ian. Making you crazy. I guess that must be it. <laughs> a burden I will bear as long as I don't have to bear children. <laughs> well, it, well, that's... Seems like a fair trade. Now I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> Are you picturing that, you freak? Oh, I wasn't. <laughs> God, I hate you. <laughs> Well, I, I'm sorry it ended up there, Jaden, but uh, <laughs> thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, keep us updated if anything changes. Yeah. Let us know uh, if you're still listening. Let us know if you have any further developments. Yeah. Uh, there was something else. The different darks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been in a house where I've turned on lights and it. you think you're using 20 watt bulbs. Oh, yeah. That is the worst. Yes. Because then it feels like there's just no escape. Yep. Because it's dim. You can feel it. You know it. Well, the, the TV light, or sorry, the television remote not working, Yeah, that really fucked with me because that's, you know, that's sort of like for me, when I'm having these moments, they kind of, you go for some kind of outside noise, some kind right. of outside interference. Right, right, And if you can't get it. I know. I mean, I, I remember having a time in my apartment uh, a couple of years ago. This is again, really kind of before I got into anything paranormal. Right. But I felt really spooked out by something. And so I thought, oh, you know what? I'm just going to. Turn the TV on and. Oh, well, no, actually yeah. it was my phone. Oh, okay. Thought, I'm going to yeah. text my friend again, just to reach Make out to Make a connection. The world. Make a connection. Yeah. No cell connection. Really? Yep. 
And you live in like downtown Victoria. Yep. Now, I've never had a problem connecting my cell phone here. This, the connection That's was weird. Gone. And it was gone the entire time that feeling was on me. Oh, like something was blocking. Yeah. Wow. Not okay. No. No, that was. I've never heard of that. Yeah. And it was not, not something I care to repeat. Haven't, hasn't happened since. Yikes. But uh, yeah, it was a really, no, really strange cool. experience. This story is from our friend Lauren. I just recently found your podcasts and have been binge listening at night. Ooh, I don't know if that's a good idea. (laughs) I've had various experiences throughout my life, more so since I sustained my brain injury almost six years ago. I have a theory about the injury messing with my aerial and allowing me to tap into a different frequency. I would totally agree with that. Uh, Yeah, I think that's a really interesting theory. I always wonder that when you hear about uh, serial killers. You know, oh. who they, the guys like Fred West, yeah, who had yeah, a motorcycle yeah. crash and was different afterwards. Yes. And I always wonder if that, I mean, obviously there's psychological impairment and that's, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I would say that's primarily it, yeah. but I do wonder if it allows for something else. I've heard of, I've heard that before yeah. where people suffer some sort of brain injury or head injury and all of a sudden they're able to pick up things yeah. they haven't. It, yeah, it's interesting. Anyway, I'm just listening to episode 32, Death on the Road, with the disembodied voices helping people avoid danger, and it reminded me of a time when I was young and was saved from being knocked over. I'm from Manchester, UK, originally, but now live in Northern Ireland. When I was around seven or eight years old in the mid-80s, I was out with my mum going to the local shopping precinct, and to get there we had to cross a fairly busy road, which had a pedestrian crossing. You press a button, you wait for the lights to change, and the crossing beeps when it's safe to cross. My mom and I had pressed the button, and the crossing started beeping, so we started to cross the road. Out of nowhere, a car came speeding towards us. I had no time to react, but I got dragged backwards by the collar by something unseen. My mom, from her perspective, said it looked like I was pulled with force so that my legs left the ground. I was being looked after because if this car had hit me, I would have been killed. Wow. I had that same experience. I remember you telling yeah. you on, on 32. But I got shoved. Right. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's that's cool someone else had that experience. So Laura also uh, mentioned she'd had some experiences with Faye. Yeah. And so uh, she sent this first message in the summer. This one she just sent to us. And so I thought we'd include this here. Oh, cool. Just a bit of background. My history with the paranormal stretches back into my early teens and the late 80s, early 90s. I've always been fascinated with the unexplained, and being an avid reader, I found out as much as I can about subjects. Since I was about 15, I've been into witchcraft and folk magic. The idea of a village wise woman really chimes with me. Anyway, the tentacles of witchcraft dip into many and varied subjects. Nature spirits, fairies, cryptids, banshees, etc. My encounter with the Fae happened about two summers ago. I live in the Northern Irish countryside and was doing a lot of work around the Fae at this point, leaving offerings, connecting with nature, and all that hippie jazz. One particularly beautiful sunny day, I was sat in the garden just relaxing. I was having a moment of complete oneness. One of those times where you just feel really connected and think, this is what life is all about. At that point, directly in front of me, about five feet away, something appeared in my line of vision. And when I say appeared, I mean appeared, just out of nowhere. My brain did that thing of trying to make sense of what I was seeing by running through potential ideas of what it was. Is it a bird? No, I've never seen a bird like that, and it doesn't have a flight path into view. Is it an insect? I've never seen an insect that big. I was staring at this thing that was just hovering in front of me. It was approximately six inches long from top to bottom. and So it's huge. <laughs> Shut up. Brown all over like the color of tree bark. There were four wings. But the thing that got me was I realized that it had tiny little human feet hanging off the bottom of its body. 
At that point, my inner dialogue just went, oh my God, it's a fucking fairy. And then I just burst into tears. I swear this sounds so unbelievable, but it really did happen. I don't drink or take drugs. I was totally lucid. It just hovered there until I acknowledged it, and then it shot off flying over the roof of the house. I ran inside and told my partner, who is also an avid paranormal fan. I just couldn't believe it. I'd been working with the Fae and felt this was a nod to me to tell me that I'd been heard. I have not seen anything like this since, and have moved house. So I need to work on re-establishing a connection to the land. I know what I saw was a stereotypical fairy, and that they come in many forms, but maybe it was shown to me in the form I could handle at that point. Another quick story. We have a friend who is an indie filmmaker, and he's making a documentary on fairy lore in Northern Ireland. So we took him to a fairy thorn that stands in a Neolithic stone circle close to our house. As he was filming, we were all just standing around chatting, and he came towards us quickly, white as a sheet, and said that while he was filming, he nearly got sucked into a tree. Ha ha, I know, this sounds mad, but he's a level-headed dude and said he felt like he got tunnel vision and felt like he was being drawn along a corridor and had to break away and run off. Over here in Ireland, they still build roads around fairy thorns instead of removing them, and there are plenty left in the middle of farmers' fields, so the legend of it being bad luck to chop them down still stands strong. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much for those. Very cool. Thank you very much. I mean, obviously, I'm fascinated by that subject, although we were talking about this with Tori last night. Uh, I We will not be doing another episode on that subject. Nope. Uh, we had a lot of technical problems. Yeah. And like Luke said, maybe it's just sort of a coincidence. Yeah. And maybe it is. Yeah. But I'm not going to take that chance. No. I don't. Not uh, worth it. No. 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 If, again, if you're listening out there, good folk. We're on your side. We love you. We respect you. Absolutely. Please stay away from us. Yes. (laughs) This story comes from Rebecca. And I believe this is Rebecca who you met at the signing. Oh, okay. I I believe this is the same person. Cool. In March of this year, I had something small but strange happen to me. And I wanted to run it by you guys to hear what you didn't have to say about it. One morning, I was just laying in bed trying to wake up to get ready to go to work. It was around 7 a.m. and there was a soft light coming through the window when my desk lamp in the corner of my room came on. I didn't feel anything leading up to it or after it. It was kind of nice not having to turn it on myself. (laughs) This desk lamp is touch sensitive. I don't have to push the button down, just tap on it to turn it on or turn it off. I didn't hear anything fall on it. I tried testing the items on my desk to see if I tapped them, the button would turn on. Nothing did. I was also thinking maybe it was wiring. Has this happened to anyone else? (laughs) I should say, I don't think I'm sensitive to anything paranormal, but I do believe they are out there. The house I live in has some history. Four people have died in the house, and one person has died on the lawn. Wow. Where the hell do you live? (laughs) I mean, one person I can understand, but five people on one property? That just seems sort of... uh, Move. Careless. Well, you've got the book, so... There you go. (laughs) The four deaths in the house, only one you would consider violent, and none took place in my room. This house is owned by my Nana. She has lived there for over 25 years, and she has said nothing strange has ever happened to her. Over 10 years ago, my family had to move in for a few months, and that is when my dad heard the standard footsteps when no one said they were awake. I've never heard anything since I moved back there over a year ago. So I don't know if anyone uh, has had similar experiences, but if you have, let us know. They sort of touch things turning on without you. Yeah. I mean, if it was, uh, because I know sometimes I think about those, um, what do you call them, the, the taps with the, motion sort of, sensors. Yeah. yeah if it's a motion yeah. sensor, I could see that. They kind of go off sometimes. Exactly. But yeah. it's something that's touch sensitive seems a little well, strange. Well, because it needs that um, electrical impulse to do that. 
you complete a circuit. Oh, I thought it was a switch. No, no, no. If it's a touch light, you touch the outside of it and it's the electricity in you that's completing that circuit. Interesting. Yeah. So it's not just, you couldn't like throw something plastic at it and it would turn on. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's got to be a current. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. And and thank you, Rebecca, for that story and also for the book you gave me last night. Yeah, that's very cool. Really appreciate that. that. I went through it uh, this morning a little bit, just skimmed it, and I'm like, God, these people were sad and terrible. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. The history. Really? How they ended up in Canada. And it's, it's, wow. Powerful stuff. Yeah. I would, think twice before living in that house (laughs) but you know what nothing's going on which is such a great thing because it's had far more deaths than the average house right and yet there's really other than her experience with the lamp no one's being tormented or hearing anything or oh that's so that's kind of cool great yeah fantastic Uh, thank you rebecca absolutely our next story is from Haley. You mentioned for listeners to send their stories via email. Yes. Yes, we do. All the time. We yep. want them. Yeah. If you take nothing else from this, please send us your send stories. Send us your we stories. Love to hear your experiences. And I wanted to share mine. I will first tell you my personal experience as a kid before my New Orleans experience. I grew up Catholic, spiritual, not religious now, and always felt sensitive to spirits. I could sense their presence, but could never see them. That's exactly the way I am. Yeah. <laughs> It was an instinctive feeling when the air felt it changed and what I could only describe as a shift in the vibe or energy of the space. I believe spirits know I'm sensitive to them, and this has caused my experiences. Also, totally agree. Yeah. The first was when I was seven, after my grandfather died. He suffered for a decade with cancer and heart problems, which left him clinging to life until he passed away in 2002. My mother, who I also think is sensitive to spirits, was there when he passed in his room and prayed once he passed on. When she looked up from prayer, she was shocked to see a white and gold light, a bright orb she described, come towards her and then move out the window. At the time, I didn't know this had happened. After the funeral, we returned home from Pittsburgh to South Carolina, and after two weeks, I experienced my grandfather's spirit myself. It was during the night and I was just falling asleep. I heard the sink downstairs turn on and figured it was my mom or dad getting a drink of water before going back to bed. However, it never turned off. I went downstairs to turn the sink off and felt there was someone there looking at me once I stepped to the bottom of the stairs. I immediately froze, and then with a quick burst of adrenaline ran upstairs and down our second-story hall to see if it might have been my parents. They were both sound asleep. I heard something coming up the stairs and ran down the hall to my door, which I closed and locked before hiding under the covers. I was terrified. I didn't know who or what it was. I then heard quietly someone come to my door, and the door opened silently all the way to hit the wall. My door, regardless if I locked it, which I did, was hard to open. You had to push hard on the doorknob for it to open, which always made a distinctive sound. That did not happen. I felt the presence come into my room and move around. I was so fearful I became paralyzed. Then I had the courage to address it. I said, Papa, if that's you, please put your hand on mine. I held out my hand from under the covers where I hid and immediately felt a hand placed on mine. When this happened, I felt a complete sense of ease and relaxation, which caused me to sleep. The next morning, I told my mom what happened, and she then told me what she had experienced. 
crying and emotional, we knew that my papa had given us a final goodbye. Oh, that's really lovely. That is really lovely. I don't know if I'd been brave enough to be like, touch my hand. No, I don't know that I would have either. But, but at that point, with the door being wide open, eh, yeah. what do you got to lose? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the next experience I had was in New Orleans in 2016. I was on a summer vacation in June and wanted to see all of the French Quarter, Garden District, and some of the swamps. Based on my previous experience as a child with spirits, I knew New Orleans was notorious for paranormal activity. I wanted to experience this and decided to sign up for a ghost tour through the French Quarter. Our tour guide took us through the quarter and showed us various locations where popular hauntings and tales of paranormal activity were common. One of these was a restaurant called Muriel's in Jackson Square. Our tour guide told us that a previous tenant of the building had committed suicide and many people around the area had passed on. She then told us that a spirit haunts the restaurant by moving objects and spooking the workers. They eventually gave the ghost its own table as a gesture of respect and to keep the activity down. They even have a section on their website about it. It's literally like in the about section. If you like hover over about, yeah. it goes you know, about our restaurant, about our history, about our ghost. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's right there. That's awesome. She then showed us an alleyway connected to the restaurant where there was a single table with a complete setting. She mentioned that that was where the ghost spends most of his time. She let us then take pictures and hearing the story of the sad tenant who committed suicide and wondering if he may be the one haunting the restaurant, I prayed and meditated, saying sorry to the man and hoping he could find peace. Everyone was taking pictures and something told me to wait to take a picture. Everyone in the tour group had left and then I proceeded to take a picture. When I did, I could not believe what I saw. Near the table was a face of a man looking right back at me. I was scared, but I also knew he'd let me take that picture. I looked up from my phone to the alleyway and thanked him, wished him love and peace, and carried on my tour. That trip changed me. I knew after that my experiences were reaffirmed, and spirits were 100% real. I believe they're all around us. We should embrace this truth and be in tune with what spirits can teach us. Huh. So both of her experiences were kind of amazing. Yeah, that's kind of a nice change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the, the face story was positive. Yes. Yes. That is true. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Haley. Yeah, that absolutely. That was really great. I mean, New Orleans is an incredibly haunted place. It's one of my goals to, to go there, there and, okay. and, and do a ghost tour. Uh, there in Edinburgh. Those are the two places I want to do ghost tours. Why Edinburgh? Uh, it has an incredible ghost tour. They do two. They do one of the secret tunnels or the old under the bridges okay. uh, tour where people did used to live and right. had a rough time. And then the Edinburgh uh, Cemetery. Oh, um, okay. I believe that's when they make you sign a waiver. Really? Because people get hurt. Good God. All the time in there. It's quite violent. Why the hell would you want to go there? Sounds cool. Of course. Well, I'm in a group. Right. And it's not a ghost hunt. I'm still not doing ghost hunts. Oh, okay. Fair yeah, enough. Fair no, enough. it's a, and I love history. I love history. And I, I love graveyards. I've been to them all over the world. And I, I'm i fascinated by the way people choose to remember their dead. Yeah, no. Fair, <laughs> fair enough. So this will be our last story. This one is from Erica. Erica says, as I was listening to one of your episodes, something Ian said reminded me of an incident I have tried to forget or explain away. I'm not sure if it was a personal story of Ian's or if he was reading a story, but it involved pulling the covers up over your head when trying to sleep. So I thought I would share this story with you. Perhaps there are other stories that involve using a blanket to protect you. And certainly we've seen a few of those tonight already. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this in our personal experiences. Absolutely. 
In summer of 1989, my mother, my siblings, and I left our small fishing village on Cape Breton Island and moved to Anaganish, Nova Scotia. We would be staying in town for the summer. The house we rented had five bedrooms, which meant everyone could have their own room, which was very exciting. Although my sisters and I were used to sharing a room, we often slept alone while visiting our grandparents or family homesteads, so we welcomed having our own space for the summer. We arrived a day ahead of our furniture, so all five of us spent our first night camped out in the living room. The summer seemed like it would be great. The next morning, while waiting for the moving truck to arrive, we began to explore the house. My siblings and I called dibs on bedrooms and played on the deck with a wide railing which was perfect for climbing on. We were used to spending our days climbing around on rocks along the cliffs of northern Cape Breton, so this was not at all scary for us. When the moving truck arrived mid-morning, we all started to help bringing our items into the house. Grabbing some cleaning supplies, my mother said I should place it just inside the door to the basement, as we had in Cape Breton. Up until this point, we had not explored the basement. I never had issues with basements, but as I opened the door, I had the feeling that I shouldn't go down there. Listen to that feeling. Yes. (laughs) It was unfinished, with dirt and stone walls. I quickly placed whatever I had inside the stairwell and closed the door. I told my mother I didn't like the basement, and she suggested that it was just new, and that I would get used to it. That afternoon, my sisters and I, and that's another example, you know, just, oh, it's fine. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Just ignore that feeling of impending doom and fear. Yeah. (laughs) No wonder people end up in bad situations later in life, because their parents tell them to ignore their fucking instincts. I say this all the time. We have instincts for a reason. If you're in a situation and you don't feel safe, change the situation. Yep. Get out. Just do it. Elevator, parking garage, wherever it is you're uncomfortable, find a way to get around it. Find someone to go with you, something. Yeah, and call someone. Like we if, started to really, I think, mess ourselves up when we started to teach our children to ignore their instincts. Yeah, 100%. 100% yeah. No, there was actually something I told the kids when I was doing those school talks. Yep. I tried to work it around. I said, look, listen to your instincts. Yeah. If someone, if if someone, because people, shitty people, will try and use social norms yeah. to keep you uh, what's it, complacent yeah. and keep you from making a fuss because, yeah. oh, I'll be rude. Yeah. Fuck that. Uh-huh. Be rude. Absolutely. Get out, call someone, yeah. get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Listen to your instincts. Better to look foolish than be in serious trouble. Absolutely. Yeah. That afternoon, my sisters and I were playing on the deck. We took turns climbing and walking on the railing. It was my turn when we were called in to help with unpacking. My sisters ran inside and I began to make my way back to where we were getting up and down. The same feeling I had from the basement came over me. I felt as if I was being pushed Hmm. and fell off the deck onto my arm. My memory of this plays back in slow motion. My mother recalls hearing me scream, then cry. She suggested I saw a mouse or a snake and was frightened. We rushed to the hospital to discover I had a broken arm. What a shitty way to... (laughs) Be welcome to your no home. No kidding. And your mom's like, oh, no, you didn't You didn't get pushed. Yeah, you saw a snake. You saw a snake. Uh, you'd remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That night, we all slept in our individual rooms. What had been an exciting adventure was no longer so. My mother propped my arm up on a pillow and tucked me in. After she left my room, the feeling I had earlier came over me. It felt like someone was in my room watching me. Frightened, I kept my light on and pulled my covers up over my head. I would eventually fall asleep. Each night, the same feeling came back, and each night, I would turn on my light and pull the covers over my head, feeling more frightened than the previous night. One night, a couple of weeks into our stay, after finally falling asleep, I was awoken by the feeling of someone moving on my bed and then touching my legs. Not cool. No, I screamed, waking up everyone. My mother rushed into the room to find me just under my comforter, screaming. She tried to calm me down, suggesting that the cat must have been in my room. (laughs) God almighty. I had been sleeping with the bedroom door shut. 
She brought me into her room to sleep where my other siblings had already migrated for the night. Apparently, we all had difficulty sleeping uh, in the house. And still, and still, yeah. oh, must have been the cat. There's the cat. Her. I hope this mother has a really big therapy fund. <laughs> she has a lot to answer for. That's right. <laughs> for the remainder of our stay, my sisters and I decided to share a room. I don't recall any further incidents happening. As the summer came to an end, we moved out of the house and down the road to a smaller community. We had no difficulty sleeping in our new home. Many years later, I found myself back in Anakinish to attend the local university. It's an old Catholic university with a lot of ghost stories. There were a few statues on campus that creeped me out, but I just tried to ignore them. I had no difficulty sleeping in the dorms and found the town to be quite welcoming. As I neared the end of my second year, some friends and I planned to move off campus. We began looking for apartments around town. One of the vacancies had a familiar address. Sure enough, it was that same house. Oh, wow. The feelings from my childhood came back. So strong, I couldn't even make it to the front door. Holy cow. My friends went in and looked around. They decided it wasn't a good fit, and we moved on. After we left, the feelings went away. I've asked my siblings about our summer in the house. They don't have any specific memories, just an overall uneasiness of the space. Could that be just the result of being in a new place, or was it the house? I haven't looked into the house any further, but knowing the history of the area... I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of energy trap there. Crazy. Yeah, that's a big old note for me. Yeah. Forget and, that noise. And the the um, siblings saying they were uneasy in the space as well. Um, even if you're not sensitive to things like that, if you're sensitive enough, yeah, yeah, that yeah. may be all it takes where sure. you just feel uneasy because that's not a normal feeling. No, I mean, I, I know people who have zero or feel generally have zero sensitivity, who are right. very skeptical, Yeah, who have still been in places where I know there is activity, yeah, and they are uncomfortable. Ah, there they don't you go. know that. No, they're just uncomfortable. And they don't know why. Interesting. So that's very much a thing. Thank you so much, Erica, and to everyone else who sent stories. And we're going to have again one more listener stories episode coming up uh, next month or the month after, uh, because we have a few more we really want to share. Yeah. Uh, if you have a story you want to tell us, let us know at ghoststoryguys at gmail dot com, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll always respond. We always reply to messages. Yeah. And uh, if you, as long as you're okay with it, we will eventually read your story on the show. And if you want us to change your name or mess up some of the more uh, revealing details, let us know. We're happy to 100%, do that. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. We've done that for a few of the stories here. We've removed a few of the identifying details. Yeah. Uh, I may even go back and uh, edit out the town from one of them. Someone mentioned a specific town in Vancouver Island. And I might oh, go back right. and maybe just take that out. I won't repeat the name. sounds good all right so that's going to do it for listener stories coming up next we're going to be doing uh our listener mail which we haven't done in ages no and our patron shout outs and our patron halloween giveaway Woohoo! Welcome back. Thanks to everyone who sent in your stories. Those were a ton of fun. Amazing. And again, we have even more yeah, coming up, which I I'm can't so wait. excited about. If you have a story you want to tell us, let us know at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com and uh, we will read your show, pardon me, we'll read your story on air. Yeah. Uh, of course, and if you want anything changed, any details, uh, identifying details, we're happy to do that. Absolutely. Before we get to our patron shout outs, I thought we'd do some listener mail. 
Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. Uh, so first up, we had an email from Frederick, who is currently a student of the Royal Military College of St. John in Quebec and wanted to know if there are any ghost stories from there. I honestly don't know. I, you know, and he brought up a really good point. There's ghost stories about the military college in Kingston, Ontario, because right. Kingston is one of the most haunted cities in Canada. Right. And about Royal Roads here in Victoria. Of course. Tons. And I am ashamed to admit I've never even heard of that military college, <laughs> but it could be because it's in Quebec, which other than Montreal and old Quebec City is kind of a big black spot for yeah, me. Yeah, I, I just don't sort of know a lot. There's a dragon and yeah. <laughs> the dragon's smoking a, a galois and he's got a beret on. Yes, and, and eating cheese maybe. Yeah, and he looks at all of us with disdain. Of course, yeah. naturellement. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I wish I could help you. And if you do hear of any, let us know because I'm always willing to learn. Yeah, I, I don't know. Actually, we have many listeners in Quebec. But, well, it's because uh, we're English-speaking dogs. Pink dogs. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> sorry about that. Yes, but thank you so much for writing in, Fred. Absolutely. And yeah, if anyone else knows, please let us know. If you mm-hmm. have any stories from Quebec, we'd love to hear. Yeah, yeah. It's way the hell over there. I, <laughs> it's that big thing in between Ontario and the rest of Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the appendix of Canada. <laughs> Uh, we also had a message from Teresa who said she's been hearing bells and she remembers me talking about something similar. She asked what time of year it was. Uh, that was last year around Christmas for me, sort of just January. Bells. Time. Yeah, I know. Christmas. <laughs> Maybe the Salvation Army little kettle people. Oh, that explains it. There you go. Well, Yay, no, mystery solved. I know it's them because I steal from them. No. <laughs> kidding, kidding. I asked for change. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> I would never do that. You, however, would. No, I wouldn't. No, you're right. You wouldn't give them any money at all. Exactly. <laughs> I know where it goes. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Salvation Army, they have some opinions I'm not a fan of. No, me too. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, so, Teresa, for me, it was January of, of this year, I guess. It was around that time. I remember it was actually during our break from uh, our season break. Yeah. From the show, I was listening to the Vanish podcast. Right. And started hearing it there. Ah, but, uh, but there yeah, so I, I hope that helps you. We had a really interesting email from uh, Anjit who has invited us to possibly do kind of a a show in a really haunted location here in Victoria um, and and do kind of a show from there, which could be really interesting, actually. Yeah, we're we're sort of talking about the details of that now. It it would probably be a bonus show. Yeah. So we're just trying to figure out what exactly that would entail. Yeah, well, it's got a ton of its own stories. That's true, yes. So, so that would be cool. We could just do a whole thing on that. Yeah, and, that's true. And maybe some of the other places like it along the road. I don't want to say the name just in case it doesn't work out. Yeah, no free advertising. No, no, <laughs> not from us. We're such a juggernaut of advertising. So. Yeah. But thank you for that because it's a really cool idea and, uh, and we're certainly interested in uh, seeing where that goes. Absolutely. We'll be in touch. We've had a lot of people asking about when they can do ghost tours with you. Yes. Which is really cool. It is cool. Um, I think by the time this airs on Tuesday, is that right? Drops it, Tuesday? It, uh, yeah. For patrons, it'll, it'll be released probably Sunday and then for uh, for the general audiences, Tuesday. Okay. Well, I'm going to be doing them on uh, Monday the 29th and, uh, of course, Halloween the 31st. I do the 6.30 and 8.30 tours. And if you want to go with me and you happen to be in Victoria, make sure you come up and say you want to go with Ian. Because we do split up the groups most of the time. Yes, and that's at Market Square. Market Square. In Victoria. Yep, on Johnson Street. Uh, we had a message from Melanie, who is one of our earliest listeners. Uh, Melanie said she loved reading Luke's sneak peek article on Skinwalker Ranch. And uh, she said, given he's an aspiring filmmaker and given how no one else I know loves the things I love, I just got to ask if Steven Soderbergh's The Limey made any impression. 
the scene where Terrence Stamp stoically walks from stage left to stage right in front of a gigantic cement wall was life-changing. Watching it increase my credit score, decrease my cholesterol count, and extend my life expectancy <laughs> by four days. Uh, I, I'll have to ask Luke about that. I yeah. loved The Limey. I, I have, no, I'm not surprised. I think it came out in 1998 or 99. Okay. But it was uh, a revenge film starring uh, Terrence Stamp as a, a British gangster who gets out of prison and sets about taking revenge for the murder of his daughter. Oh. It's really great. Cool. I think that was Peter Fonda in a, in a villain role. It's pretty good. Okay. But uh, yeah, I'll ask Luke. And she says, uh, I finally understand Ian's beard. It's in preparation for the end times when Jeebus will return for that second coming. And he's going to drop 15 large as a GST patron. <laughs> uh, sadly, the beard is... It, it is no more. Uh, we, uh, the beard and I got into quite an argument. And <laughs> I had had enough of his whining and demands for pampering and all the special care he required. And I'm like, fuck this. I don't have a dog for a reason. <laughs> and so that was the end of the beard, sadly. And I could not be happier. I have to be honest. I don't miss him. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I don't miss it either. You look better without it. I, I look a lot younger, which I need all the help I can yeah, get in that department. Uh, we had a great email from Travis, who actually sent you a recipe. Yes. For, uh, was it cheddar biscuits? Um, well, there was that, but what I was really talking about was um, uh, Heath Pie. Remember I talked right, about Perkins? of course. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And in Canada, Heath is score, score, score bar. bar. So he actually sent me the recipe for it, which I'm looking forward to trying. That is so cool. It was so cool. <laughs> Thank you, Travis. If you ever want to send us recipes. Or a pie. Or a pie. Or a pie. <laughs> Preferably dairy and nut-free. <laughs> but if it's got to be have dairy in it, Ian will eat it. And oh, probably by me. myself in one sitting. <laughs> Oh man, I uh, I found out that the pie from Thrifties doesn't have dairy in it. Which, uh, like the cherry pie? Oh, oh, oh! It was a good day. Bad news bears. It was a good day. Pie I rode pie to, to ice cream, <laughs> large cherry pie. Thump. That's right. <laughs> we had an email from Allison who said uh, she's from Edmonton. We actually have quite a few listeners in Edmonton. Well, it's which cold. Is, There's nothing there to do. Oh God. It's a barren wasteland. It's really not. It's a really cool place. Edmonton's <laughs> a great city. I'm hoping to take Nick there next summer. Oh, gross. Take her somewhere nice. <laughs> we have family there. so Even worse. Oh, you're a monster. You should do what you can to get them out. You're a monster. Uh, but Allison says she, she loves the show, and she says we should check out the abandoned hospital in Westmount, the Charles Camsel. It's right in the middle of a residential area, but it's been shut down and condemned for years. Rumors that there are many people buried in the grounds. So hmm. if we ever end out that way, maybe we'll go check it out. I'd just like to point out that Allison did return shots fired. Yes. When she said, my dad was born in Calgary, but I love him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Typical Edmontonian, Allison. Keep it up. You're all right, Allison. <laughs> You're all right with me. Uh, she also shared a story, which we're going to share on an upcoming episode. Excellent. Uh, we had an email from Jonathan. Jonathan says, I've been a longtime listener ever since I found you guys during Thanksgiving last year. I uh, just listened to your Pittsburgh episode plus the Centralia one. If you ever need a guide of Pittsburgh, I'm willing to help you out. Uh, Jonathan, I will take you up on that one day. That's cool. And, um, I almost ended up in Pittsburgh this month. Yeah, that's right. I was planning on going and then uh, I had the thing, I had the Revelstoke thing come up. Yeah. So I had to do that instead. And honestly, I probably couldn't have comfortably afforded a flight in the hotel. No, no way. Flying to Pittsburgh from here, as I learned, is not cheap. No. Uh, but I'm hoping to do that next year. So uh, I, you will definitely be hearing from me. We had a message from Kevin, who is a uh, former born and raised Detroiter. And he says he enjoyed our show on Haunted Places in Detroit. He says I, he learned things from that show even I have never heard of in the 30 years he lived in the city. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, he says, I will say Detroit isn't as bad as you made it out to be. 
Uh, and I've heard that from a few people now. Yes. A few people have said we, we laid it on a bit thick. Well, smack down to you, Brennan, because <laughs> you were uh, piling it on there. Uh, yeah, I've no, never been there. So. No, neither have I. Well, oh, so here, and here we are being the authority on yeah, Detroit. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. But uh, thank you very much, Kevin. Yeah. Um, I actually, he says he puts us right up there with Art Bell. That's a huge compliment. Wow, Kevin. nice. Uh, so thank you very, very much. I hope we can continue to live up to the standard. Definitely. Uh, Detroit, yeah, funny enough, I was listening to uh, the podcast, Someone Who Isn't Me. Okay. Which is um, the musician Daniel P. Carter interviewing other musicians he knows. And he was interviewing Wes Borland, formerly of Limp Bizkit, mm-hmm. uh, about his new album, Crystal Machete, which I think I played a bit for you. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, he Borland actually lives in Detroit now. Oh, wow. Because they were looking to buy a house, and he was looking at L.A., and he said it was going to cost a million dollars just to renovate the house he was looking at in LA. Right, so right. they just, they started looking around for other places to go and they ended up in Detroit because wow. property was cheap and there's a sort of a revitalization happening. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Cool. Very and cool. If you like electronic music, Crystal Machete is actually a pretty cool album. Awesome. So check that out. All right. So that's going to do it for listener mail. Um, again, if you got uh, comments, suggestions, anything, send it to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Yep. We'll get, uh, we're going to try and get to more of that on air. We sort of got snowed under with messages and yeah. we weren't quite sure what to do, but we are definitely going to make an effort to get them up there. Uh, I put out a call for question and answer. Right. And we only got a couple, uh, but uh, I will will do those now. Uh, Peter asks, can certain haunted places change your mood? I got mad at the Four Mile Pub. And, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, the more um, sensitive you are to things like that, like I know for me, I can be quite empathic with that stuff. Right. And I've experienced that being really angry, being really sad, um, being really scared. Just, it's, I know it's not my own emotions. Yeah. It's something sort of projecting onto me. So I absolutely think that's true. Yeah. And, and I find if I'm near something that's really strong, uh, I don't know if it's me holding it off or whatever, but it depletes me. And then my yes. mood drops oh, considerably. Big time. Big time. Uh, I'm actually just working my way out of a pretty serious depression I hit after that night out uh, where I was by the James Bay Inn. Right. So I'm just sort of working my way out of that now. Drained your battery kind of thing. I guess so, yeah. So that's uh, that's a response there, Peter. Uh, Mad of the Future says, would you guys ever go to, this was on Instagram, I should say. Right. So that's why I don't have everyone's names. <laughs> Mad of the Future says, would you guys ever go to Waverly Hills Sanatorium? And sure, I mean, if we were there, why not? But again, we're not really big on the whole ghost hunt thing. So no, I, mean, I would do a tour of the place. I would do a tour of the place in a heartbeat. I'd love to know more of the history. But in terms of, you know, sending a set with specific equipment, nah, no. No. And honestly, I mean, I get enough just by being there. Yeah. Like I absorb enough. Oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I, I don't need proof. I really don't no. need any proof. Uh, so we had one from Amy, uh, this one, I don't know. I, I think Amy may be uh, drinking heavily. It says, why is Ian so handsome? Genetics, Amy. Just yeah. God given blessed genetics. I, I'm thinking Amy is the benefit, uh, beneficiary of a wonderful imagination. <laughs> or she's my, um, uh, actual identity on, on Instagram. That's right. That's, that's how you cruise into Instagram anonymously. That's right. You're Amy. That's right. I'm I believe Amy. it. So Amy, that's, that's the answer to your bewildering question. And it's okay, sweetie. It'll all be all right. You'll find someone like me one day. Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> uh, Luke is here. 71 says, what was the scariest thing you've ever experienced for Ian? He's the only, he's the only one who actually checks this account. Uh, <laughs> I do 95% of the Instagram. You do 95% of everything. <laughs> like, the only thing I really do is the email and the Facebook messages. Uh, honestly. Oh, and the website. 
Yeah, you, yeah, 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 which yeah. Look, actually, you just updated. It looks lovely. Yeah, no, I was going to mention that at the end, that anything you want to do uh, with us now, go to the website. It is all there. Paint things, tr- paint, email stop it. <laughs> Patreon, t-shirts, man, all the other crap we sell. Yeah, you punched all the right it, stuff. It will all get you there. Just go to ghoststoryguys.com. It's all you need. Uh, but yeah, as for as for Luke, who erroneously thought that, so I guess because it's all pictures of you on there, because because I don't really like having my. Oh right, yeah. Well, that's like... the other thing. Brennan takes all the pictures too. Like I mean, <laughs> he does everything. Oh no, no, no. That's so not, so so he ends up um, taking lots of pictures, and I'm the other person. So that's pretty how, much how, how it works. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah, much yeah. how it is. Uh, and we don't do selfies because that's weird. So yeah, um, we're grown ass men. Yeah, selfies exactly. is strange. No, yeah. Uh, although I use a lot of emoticons. I think that's a problem. Not talking to me, thankfully. No, I guess I don't. No. Maybe it's just talking to girls. That's Weird. fine. Yeah, all right. Anyway, uh, scariest thing that ever happened? Um, Meeting me. Living, <laughs> probably living in my own haunted house, which I have told that story before. Oh, of course, in uh, Nova Scotia. In, in, in New Brunswick. New Brunswick, yes. Um, that was probably m- because it crept up on me so slowly um, that there were these sort of bursts of fear, but it wasn't. it wasn't until the very end of it all that it all really came together but yeah check out that episode no matter what i don't know what episode it is brennan would know he I, edited well, I it i think episode uh i want to say episode 12 is when we discuss your book and i think you tell the story there okay I, mean, I, I believe you've mentioned it since but that's the one for sure i can say I, i'm pretty yeah, sure it's in that there. was absolutely because it was so long and drawn out and yeah, it had such an impact and, and had veridical proof afterwards yes you know that that's that's a thing not cool no no that would throw me yeah uh for me my scariest thing and again, I, I tell this one on the Shadow People episode, and I think on the episode about my book, episode seven. Uh, for me, the scariest thing was being touched by a shadow person. Mm-hmm. Uh, waking up in the morning yeah. and having it fall across me in bed. And then being affected and by it. And then deeply, out, again, depression, being yeah. deeply affected by it for about two weeks. So that's probably the most frightening thing um, that I can think of. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's anything much more frightening than having that happen in the daytime, no less. Yeah. Not just that it happened, it was no. in the fucking daytime. Yeah, no, not cool. All right, and our last question comes from Steve Makes Sounds, and that is that is the mighty Steve. Oh, that is the Steve. The Steve. Steve says, what is the weirdest theory someone has told you that made some sort of sense? Oh, there's so many. Yes. <laughs> um, hmm. What is the weirdest theory? Can you think of one? I think the weirdest theory I've heard, and, and this will appeal to Steve, uh, is that you know, some weirdo mentioned about vibration and harmonics. Oh, yeah. And I, the place yeah. this has in it. Yeah. In it all. And, and I think that is, there's a lot of validity to that. It's yeah. weird, and I think it's kind of complex because it, it's the, the way it, it kind of interplays with everything is hard to understand and hard to sort of explain. Yep. But I do think that has, that's probably one of the weirdest things I've heard that makes sense. I think for me, it was uh, the kind of hauntings where it's just like a loop where whatever's there doesn't seem very intelligent, but right. the same scene plays out and out and again. It's because there's damage to the spiritual environment. Right. And it leaves like a dent in it. And these things kind of get caught in it. Oh, okay. So I thought that was really interesting. That yeah, kind of yeah. clicked with me, but I mean, it, it's weird. Yeah, that, 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 that is weird. <laughs> uh, and actually an example of the harmonics thing, I really feel like that night in Revelstoke where I was driving, Yes. I feel like something was trying to bring me in line with. Sort of take me through places that yeah. would kind of bring me in tune. 
yeah, that with makes what sense. it was trying to do I, to make me more easy to I get that reach. Yeah. So we would love to answer more questions, by the way. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know how we can make that easier for people to ask. Um, I don't know. Uh, again, I mean, you only put that out on Instagram. On Instagram, I forgot to put it on Facebook. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was my bad. Well, we're saying it now. Yes. Yeah, so if you have any questions for us, feel free to send them in. If we uh, don't know the answer, we'll make it up. That's right. <laughs> we'll tell you though, so you don't try and do something based on our stupid answer. Oh no, we'll absolutely tell you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you have any questions for us, again, send them to. Uh, you can send them a, send us a DM on Instagram at Ghost Story Guys, uh, or just send us a. Uh, we don't really, pref we prefer Facebook, not so much Facebook Messenger. I prefer Gmail. Yeah, email is the perfect yeah, way to like, do it. Yeah, uh, like send it to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. That, that would be, be perfect. perfect. All right, so now it's time for our <gasps> patron shout outs and our Halloween giveaway. Yes. So first up, I want to thank, well, I'd like to thank all our patrons. Yeah. But I'd especially like to thank our new patrons. They are Jody Bowling. Michelle Montague. Nick R. Cupila. Evan Delmonico. Tracy Stanway. Evan, is Evan who I met? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I met Evan the other night. Hello, yeah. Evan. Tracy Stanway. And Tracy is, uh, she is Anthony's cousin, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so, right. hello, Tracy. Cynthia Lake. Tim Billingsley. Elise Ridgway. And Pamela Whitney. Thank you so much for your support, everyone. It means the world to us. It really does. Even if you give, uh, even if you just given a dollar, yeah. uh, it just, it's nice to know you're out there, you appreciate it, and it just helps us, helps us with the bills and helps us. Expand the show. Yeah, absolutely. I know Luke just got paid the other day, and he's real happy. I can't imagine. <laughs> Too bad about the exchange rate, Luke. Sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> I think it works out to about 30 pounds. <laughs> guess that's not bad. No, better than a boot to the head. Yeah, that's it. I wouldn't try that. He's a large man. No, I wouldn't either. Okay, so now it is time for our patron giveaway. And I've been looking forward to this for the last two months. And just so everyone knows, we took the names, we put them into a randomizer, and that is how the winners are chosen. So the we have two prizes. Uh, well, technically well, 20, yeah, 21 yeah, 21 prizes. prizes. Two categories of prizes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the first thing is we have 20 download codes for the Abyss's brand new album, Centurion. That will be available the day this drops to the public. So that's Tuesday, October 30th. And yes, he gave us 20. I thought it was going to be 25. I was mistaken. It's, it's 20. We're going to draw the winners in groups of five. Our first group consists of... Nicole Mata, Servando Sanchez Jr., Danielle Harris, Christopher Arnold, oh, and Tori Elliott. The Predator herself. <laughs> Even Predators need music. In Absolutely. All right, so now we're going to draw the second group. Bingo, must be in the front row. Mary Soprenant, Hannah Brown, Greg Tuttle, Shannon Legro, and Elise Ridgway. Our next five consists of... Bingo, must be in the front row. Chris O'Leary, Catherine Punt, Morgan Young, Jennifer Burton, and Amy Thompson. The last five people to receive a free download copy for The Abyss's upcoming album, Centurion. Bingo, must be in the front row. Jackie Port. Sean Wick, Lizette Ceraceres, Allison Hunt, Tracy Stantway. Nice. Awesome. That's well, great. Congratulations, everybody. Uh, I'm going to send out emails to all of you once this drops for patrons. There you go. So uh, you may have an email by the time you hear this. If not, it'll be coming very shortly, and that'll have your download code and uh, the relevant instructions. 
Now, we talked about the poster. We were going to sign it and send it, but then we were like, what if the person doesn't want it signed? Yeah, because I, I quite like the design. I wouldn't want it signed. No, and no, was, I wouldn't sell it with our names. No, 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 no. Gross. And it was not cheap, so no. I know. So, uh, yes, now we are going to draw for the grand prize winner. That is a 20 inch, uh, twenty by 36 inch print of our brand new design, Into the Synth We Go. Yep. The print you'll be receiving comes from a fine art printer here in Victoria called The Print Lab. I'm a huge fan of their stuff. Terry runs the place and he has an incredible, not just an incredible eye, but he's got a, he's very good at, uh, sort of inferring your intent, which a lot of, cause some places just print yeah. what they see. Yeah. We ran into that. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, Terry understands, he's very good at understanding what it is you're trying to get at with your image. So he won't mess with it. Right. Beyond what he needs to do to get it to print the way it needs to print. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the winner of that. Lovely 20 by 36 print from the print lab here in Victoria is. Bingo must be in the front row. Arwen Simons. Yay. Congratulations, Arwen. Uh, we'll be in touch via email. We'll ask whether or not you want it signed. I can't imagine why you would, but if you do, <laughs> we got a nice metallic silver Sharpie. We could sign it on the back for, you know, just posterity. I don't know. I, just, I feel I'm, like it just depreciates the value. <laughs> Anything with my name on it instantly plummets in value. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations to everybody who won. Thanks to all our patrons for, for supporting us. Absolutely. And, and just for being awesome. Just, we appreciate it so fucking much. We are blown away that people do that for us and I'm really, really grateful. So no, thank you. Thank you so much. So I guess that's going to do it as far as Halloween goes. Yeah. You're going to go do some ghost walks? In like minutes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I would just say, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Yep. Uh, Share with your friends. This is is how we grow. And uh, we've got, last I checked, over 50 reviews on iTunes. Oh, awesome. So thank you so much, everyone who's done that already. Yeah. Um, And anything you need from us, ghoststorygeist.com. Absolutely, yeah. If you want to get some merch from our Redbubble or Threadless stores, go to, or uh, you want to order an autographed copy of one of our books, Go to ghoststoryguys.com and just scroll down. You'll find all the links to the relevant pages and you can go from there. Again, if you have any stories or comments, uh, let us... Or questions for us. Or questions, yeah. yeah. Send it to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. We'll get back to you as fast as possible. I'd like to thank Peter from Pizanta Music for our fantastic intro and outro music. I told Peter the other day that his song has now been downloaded uh, as the front of our show more than 180,000 times. Whoa. Yeah. Nice. So he was pretty excited about that. And uh, him and his wife, Mary, are expecting their first child. Oh, nice. So congratulations. baby. Yes. Very cool. Already tougher than us. <laughs> Probably drinking vodka right That's from the right. word go. So congratulations to Peter and Mary. I believe they're expecting uh, their baby in February. Very cool. So that's, that's great. Good for them. We'll send them a Ghost Story Guys t-shirt. <laughs> Little teeny tiny one. Exactly. <laughs> I want to thank our musical guest, Hexagram. You'll be hearing that track, There Are No Answers, on the way out, uh, rather than our outro music. That is the second song that they've released from their upcoming album, Crystal Lake. You can find more from them at Hexagram, that's with two X's, not three, (laughs) .bandcamp.com, or on Spotify and all the other major streaming services. If you look in the show notes, I'll include a link to their Spotify page. Nice. Again, Crystal Lake is expected to release sometime this winter. So I guess that's going to do it. Yeah. I hope everyone has a great Halloween. Keep it spooky. Keep it real. Keep safe. Keep safe. And uh, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. And until then, into the darkness we go.
You are, as they say, canceled. <laughs> I'm taking you with me. Well, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> it was already in listener stories. I think you just took it out. No, I just moved it to listener stories. We're in listener messages. No, I know, but it had two tags, listener messages and listener stories. Well, now it's all the way in there. Oh, jeez. I remember a few times hearing a heavy breathing start from... <laughs> now you got me doing it. Uh, all right, let's stop. <laughs> now I'm truly terrified. <laughs> That, that's, that sounds like an acid trip. Okay. That sounds like the next time, like the first time you get high. Okay, so we're going a different direction with it. I don't I mind. I see. Okay. <laughs> if wrong, I don't want to be right. <laughs> There's no way you can use that. Nope. That's, nope. Not in a million years. funny though. Not even on the outtake. No, 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 no. It's just got to burn. I'm just going to, I'm going to have a long bleep and you laughing and saying what you just said. And that will be forever that, burned. That would be funny. Actually. Yes. That'd be really funny. The secret dies with us.